0: I am so excited for my next guest to come on here. Her name is Jenna. And if you know her, she is an absolute breath of fresh air in just the wellness industry in general. But I met Jenna in 2017. I think we had just chatted about when when our lives looked very different. (laughs) Jenna, you didn't have kids. I think I was married. We were like just sort of diving into this business aspect and we've stayed in touch and so much has changed since then. But what's really cool is that I've seen Jenna transform in a way and transform this industry in a way that I really think is groundbreaking. And she's one of the biggest reasons that I gave up tracking, really gave up weighing myself. She's just encouraged me to view health in a different aspect. And I want to bring her on to do the same for you. So Jenna, thank you for being here. I am so honored. That is like the
1: kindest intro ever. And also <laughs> like, I just like, need everybody to know what I said before we hit record is just like watching your growth on social media, but also just like confidence and like everything that you see on social media, but is also real behind it. Like has just been incredible. So inspiring. And I'm just so proud of you and so excited to be here. I, the name of this podcast makes me laugh every time. Um, I cry every single day, so yay for
0: me. <laughs> you and me both. I don't know if it's the most efficient way to burn calories, but hey. We're Listen, it. it's something, and it's a, it's an emotional release that we all I need. Know. I always say there should be an option on the Apple Watch for crying. <laughs>
1: You know, I knew something. somebody told me the other day, there's an option on the watch to play. And I'm like, I play all day long. I'm missing out on so really? much sometimes.
0: <laughs> to play? They have options for everything now. Everything. It's I crazy. love it. <laughs> Jenna, for anyone that doesn't know you, tell them just who you are and a little bit of your backstory of why you started your business.
1: So my name is Jenna Warner. I'm a registered dietitian, the owner of Happy Strong Healthy Nutrition Practice, which is a weight neutral, behavior focused, um, health first practice. That's like my new tagline that I always get caught up sometimes saying, Uh, but I like it. (laughs) Health first practice where we have three dietitians plus myself, and we really specialize in helping people understand nutrition for themselves. So we have different arms of our business and we have two dietitians on my team specifically who work very, very closely with and specialize in eating disorder recovery, which is not my specialty, but they are absolutely the best in the industry at it. Um, Then we have a provider on our team who is more of the wellness disordered eating recovery. And if intuitive eating interests you, she's also um, well-versed in the intuitive eating practice as well. And then, you know, where I see most of my clients personally is the people that feel like they're stuck in this loop where they've dieted their whole lives. They feel like they quote unquote, know what they're doing, but it doesn't really feel right to them. Um, And they're constantly confused by conflicting messages on the internet and they like to exercise, but like, maybe it's a little disordered like mine used to be. Um, And they find themselves just confused with the the overall (laughs) message of nutrition and wellness out there and really want to understand how to eat in a way that makes them feel their best without the rules and restrictions for life. And so I say that now as a human being who has dieted for many years of her life, who hit rock bottom in her own personal journey, which was yes, food related, because that's a part of it, but it was a hundred percent fitness focused, um, and has struggled with body image and all of the things myself, um, and. I'm healing because I'll never say that I'm healed because I feel like that's like unrealistic to say, but I am healing and continuing my healing journey in a way that I feel like being able to share that helps people feel safe. And so with all of that said, we help human beings figure out what makes them feel their best and do that in a safe and healthy way without focusing on weight or the number on the scale, helping you improve your health without increasing your stress response. So what we know from research, what we know from years and years of and clients is that when the only purpose of your journey for change, whatever change is, is the number on the scale or your weight or shape-shifting your physical body, what that's doing in the process is increasing our stress response and our stress level. So we can system symptom manage and we can improve health and your body may change um, without that being the focus, but what we know the outcome will be is an improvement in your relationship with food, body, fitness, and self, and overall improvement in your health.
0: Yeah. So did I answer anything that you asked me? <laughs> you did. You did. Take it away, Jenna. I love like, it. Like, wait a minute. Well, what was the question? <laughs>
1: question was, who are you? Got it. Okay. I also have a kid. I have a mom. I have a two-year-old um, and I am currently pregnant um, and I live in New Jersey and I also have a dog. <laughs> so
0: that's me. I love it. I. So all that being said, I feel like you touched on so many things that I want to circle back to. And I, and I just want to dive in with the main question that I know this community is feeling is the separation between diet culture and intuitive eating. Mm. And you and I chatted about this feeling like you have to land on a side where a lot of women fall in the middle. You have most of us are conditioned from diet culture our whole lives, and that didn't leave us in a position where we feel great mentally, physically, emotionally. Like we're all kind of feeling oh, like shits. <laughs> but it's like we want to feel healthier, but we also want to feel like like mentally, but we also want to feel healthier physically, which doesn't really seem to line up with some of the more extreme views of intuitive eating. So where do you pick up with women that feel like that?
1: Yeah. I love this. And actually our mutual friend, Katie, one of the people that we did mentorship with Alex Turoff, who I love and I've remained close with, and she and I have very different practices. Um, but she said something in a meeting that I was on with her recently that like has stuck with me so hard. And she said, you know, the two groups of quote unquote nutrition professionals out there, um, you know, like weight loss, let's say like, even if it's like science-based weight loss and, intuitive eating or the anti-diet community, we're all so busy fighting with each other that we're missing out on the people that need our help. And after she said that, I was like, holy shit, you genius. Am I allowed to curse? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was right. Like, Holy crap, you genius. Like that was like the biggest message out there. And I think that we forget that there is this messy middle and there is something known as nuance that exists in science and nutrition is a science. And there very rarely are there people that fit into one of those two buckets and can sustain it for life. And not to say that either one of those choices, if that's something that interests you is wrong, there's no wrong. But if one of those doesn't feel one hundred percent right for you. There is a messy middle, and there is a middle which is also science and evidence based, without like a cool, sexy name. And um, my feelings on no seventy five hard marketing for the like, gray area. <laughs> we always talk about like, how do you sell this shit? And I'm like, I don't know. Just talk
0: about it. <laughs> Come up with like a really cool name. <laughs>
1: messy middle doesn't really sell, but like, okay, (laughs) you know. I swear (laughs) you'll get
0: results.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just trust me. Um, Everybody else is doing it, but you know, with intuitive eating, I love, I love the core of intuitive eating, and I love the science that is behind it. There are over two hundred studies. I mean, it's been in practice and in place for twenty seven years. I think is the number, and the dietitians who created it are incredible when you really understand it but the problem with intuitive eating is social media because when you look on social media and when you try to understand intuitive eating from a social media perspective, you see, just eat the damn cookie. Jeez. Like it's this easy. Like you should have access to food and you shouldn't care what you eat. And you know, yeah. if you just eat cookies all day long, one day you won't like, that's not it. Yes. <laughs> that's not just how eat it the works. Whole
0: package of cookies for yeah. a month. And, you won't and then want tomorrow
1: you won't Right? That's not it. Yeah. And that is not anything to do with like the true core of intuitive eating, but that's what sells. When we go back to like the sales aspect of it, right? What is
0: the true core?
1: The true core of intuitive eating, I mean, there are 10 principles and to be totally transparent and clear, I do not teach clients like principle one through 10. Like I don't walk through them, but I, I believe the commandments. like I, it's. I mean, I've never finished the, and I've said this on our podcast, my own podcast recently. So I feel like I can say it out loud here too. Like I never finished my training in it. Like I started it and I was super interested in it and it really helped me You know step over the fence from the disorder thinking that I was previously engaging in but it I got pregnant I had a kid and I was like I don't need to go back
0: (laughs) I'm being honest you know I'm solid on one through six so we're good (laughs)
1: okay. Like I read the book, but the core of it is and the intention behind it is to really reconnect to your body's internal cues. And there are things that can disrupt those. And that's where nuance sets in. Right. But at the core of it, and the way that I teach mindful, intuitive eating, or this anti-diet message is your body talks to you. And it's your job to listen and to learn what it's actually saying. And what intuitive eating wants you to do is to listen to those hunger and fullness cues and really start to understand them in a way that maybe you've previously been taught by diet or diet culture to ignore. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's really getting back to like the roots and the basics and trying to quiet the noise and try it, trying to use different tools in your toolbox besides food and exercise, let's say, to deal with emotions and to, you know, reconnect to your body and what it essentially needs. And the 10th principle of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition, which is utilizing nutrition science for all disease states, disease management, and overall health improvement. Um, And that principle and principle five, which is food satisfaction, those are my two favorites. And those are the ones that I really use because I feel like you can't have a sustainable approach to nutrition without enjoying nutrition. And so that principle talks about how, you know, If you want to eat a cookie and you choose carrots, like you're never going to be satisfied. But if you choose the cookie and understand that that was part of a meal of things that you wanted to eat, and then also foods that nourished you, you know, how that completion of the meal can overall help you just feel more satisfied and feel more confident in the choice that you made versus, you know, trying to starve off your hunger, which has recently been like a buzzword I've seen, or or to, you know, quiet the hunger or the craving, or to ignore it in a way or distract yourself from it, whatever diet culture currently teaches. Um, Instead of doing that, just like just actually have it be present and enjoy it and see what the outcome comes to. So that is... That's like the, the drama in the nutrition industry right now. And the reality is that you can take pieces of all of these things and help the individual, which is our job as practitioners, figure out what's best for them.
0: Yes, 100%. And I, I think that food enjoyment is a huge thing. Have you ever heard the Tale of Two Cookies story? No. Okay. So I I'll always, me. Can you always read use an example. <laughs> I read it to you. I, I bring out a storybook. <laughs> So basically the tale of two cookies, I'll use this as an in like an example in my groups as you're with friends, like you're out at a brunch at somebody's house and you're enjoying it. And you're just like making memories and cookies get put down in front of you. And one view is the cookies sit there and you're like in a conversation, you don't even notice, like, then you're like, Oh, I'll grab a cookie. You have a bite or two. Maybe you have the whole thing. Not a big deal. You move on with your day. You have the best time there. One scenario. Second scenario is you're in a conversation. The cookies get sat down instantly. Your body tenses up and stresses. And you're like, those cookies are going to gain, make me gain weight, but they look really, really good. I shouldn't have them. I should have them. You're like losing presence in the moment. You're not creating memories. And then you have the cookie and the whole time you're feeling guilty. And maybe that one decision leads to you binging that day or going overboard or feeling like you failed. And understanding that like mental stress around food is this like huge, huge aspect. Uh, And it's something that you talk about a lot is the mental and emotional, how much it impacts the physical, which we don't realize. I think we have this concept that when I reach this body goal, my relationship with food will change, but it's actually completely flipped. It's like, when you change your relationship with food, you're probably going to live at a healthier weight just in general, because you're going to feel healthier and happier. A hundred
1: percent. I also love the tale of two cookies. I will credit you (laughs) if I ever use it or when I ever use it, but I love the name. I love the message. And it's so true. And I think, you know, the issue that I personally have with a client coming to me with a body goal as their only goal is the reality is is like and I've lived this life. So I can say confidently from experience personal and also helping other clients is like there's never an enough when you have just a body goal, right? So like there's never a point where you're like, I'm satisfied and I want to stay here because there's always going to be somebody to quote unquote aspire to, right? And so that's really where when we can shift the focus to your health and focus on sustainability in our habits and our practices, you know, the changes that happen and that evolve, you're able to appreciate them more, understand them more, and can work towards like different goals, like strength or endurance, or you know, running or squatting or like whatever is your thing. There, it becomes so much more enjoyable and also repeatable, which I think is like such a key thing. And I I always use the example of like with personal trainers from my own past. It was like my and this is their job. This is what I was paying them for. But like, okay. You're your goal is 10 pull-ups. And like, when I got there, there was no, like, you're done. You did it. It was like, okay, now 12, which is fine. But if we apply that to our body, it gets to be this like slippery slope where in order to achieve more, 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 what has to be taken away. And often what is sacrificed are our basic core needs, which is connection with humans, Oh, sorry, watch, Um, which is connection with human beings, um, time with family and friends. It's also connection to yourself and understanding typically food, also sleep and stress. So like all of those things increase or decrease as, you know, your eyes on the quote unquote prize continue to get more and more tunnel visioned, And it can be this like slippery slope where there is no end point which is amazing if you are the trainer <laughs> because it's like a constant you know goal setting which I I totally get but I think we have to take mental health into account in that same process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would I would actually say that it, it isn't great when you're a trainer from me personally, because (laughs) you are a trainer. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I've been, but I've been there where you feel like you constantly have to set goals and achieve. And one of the biggest reasons I broke out of the, the fitness industry in general, as far as like big box gyms was, it was just like full of competition and comparison. Yes. And for me, that wasn't good. Like that ended me up at the, one of the most unhealthy places. Like, yeah, maybe I had a six pack, but I also didn't have a cycle I also Mm -hmm. had a terrible relationship with food. I was also binge eating. And now I actually don't set these consistent goals with strength. Like, and I allow it to shift. Like sometimes I go through phases where I like kettlebells. Other times I go through phases where I like barbells and I want to feel strong. Yes. But I, I, I guess I've never really thought about it like that, about how you are consistently there's something else, right? There's Mm -hmm. another idea of perfection. Once you reach what your goal was. And it's the sliding scale where at one end is quality of life. And the other end is like your ideal, perfect goals and body. And a lot of times like you have to find your, your balance in there of like where you're living. Cause the closer you get to this body that you think you want to have in your mind, the further away you get from a quality of life.
1: Well, I love that. And I think for me, it really stems from again, personal experience. And I worked with, you know, a human being who, was very good at the job at the time and really had me conditioned that like I could be or had to be not only fast, but also strong and like working towards, which is totally possible, but like that definition of both of those things was like, well, this person's faster than you when it comes to like comparison and this person's stronger than you. So like working towards both of these things in a very disordered way, you know, that was something that ultimately led to my rock bottom where I also lost my cycle. I shared this recently on, um, the food freedom fertility podcast, I was a guest. And I know my rock bottom moment was when, and I didn't know it at the time, but I went to the doctor to get a ultrasound of my ovaries because I hadn't gotten a period in so long. And the doctors didn't think I was ovulating and they basically confirmed that I had, I was not ovulating and that I potentially had PCOS and that there was all sorts of, you know, things going on. And the doctor looked me in the eyes and said, if you don't change your lifestyle or whatever it is that you're doing right now, that's contributing to this, like you will never have children. Mm -hmm. And I took that information. I put the papers on the seat next to me and I drove to the gym and continued on towards my goals. And like, so when you talk about that sliding scale of like quality of life and health and goals, it's like there, I was, I was not on the the
0: side that I needed to be on at all. (laughs) Where was the moment for you? Like, if that wasn't your breaking point or your moment, what was the moment where you were like, I have to start changing?
1: Yeah, I think it was very soon after that, if I'm being honest, very soon after that, when, you know, there was no longer an ability to go on living a life doing both of these things. I was sacrificing time with family. I was sacrificing time with friends. Um, and I was finally called out on it. And I think that was like the straw for me that like opened my eyes and was like, you know, I don't actually have any relationships anymore. Like my whole life is consumed with being more, being not enough, being better. And it wasn't even the hair that was falling out of my head or the skin that was like being covered in makeup because I was so broken out or the mental health that was like totally suffering. It was like this breaking point of like. I don't feel like a human being anymore. Like I feel like more like a robot um, right. and I've lost almost everything because of it. So there was like some other dramas like mixed in there, but that's basically <laughs> the gist.
0: <laughs> They're always,
1: in, <laughs> you know, just like tangled
0: little things, um,
1: but, but that's like the overarching mm space that I was in. So and you know the reality is, is I was helping people be like me when I started my practice. Um and it took the bottom out moment and it took the you know the understanding and the learning different modalities of types of ways to educate and help people make changes for life that really was part of my like next steps of this journey and understanding. And since then, so after that point, I went extreme anti-diet, which was fine at the time. And now I'm very much finding myself in that messy middle that we need to coin a phrase for Um, because the nuance really does exist. And I think as a practitioner, my job is not to alienate anybody, but my job is to make people feel safe. And my job is to allow somebody who is struggling with something allow them to come into my space and feel like there is hope to heal, to to start their journey of healing um, and to learn, you know, how to make themselves feel their best. Because I often work with a lot of clients who just think that like the shitty way that they feel is just normal. Like, I'll never forget when some You've client said to it. me, right? Where someone's client said to me once, like, I just thought waking up, like, starving and with acid reflux was just, like, how everybody woke up in the morning. Yes.
0: And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, she's like, I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, like, <laughs> We've normalized having, like, terrible periods. We've normalized feeling stressed. And, like, yeah, there are a lot of funny reels about this stuff that are, like, relatable. But also, we, like, use humor for, like, real-life things that we're all feeling, um, mm-hmm. and you said a word in there, um, which I think is amazing. And you said the word joy, mm-hmm. which most of us don't relate to health. And one of the biggest things I'll say is health is meant to make you feel healthy. And a lot of times on our way to find our healthiest self, we're met with the unhealthiest version of us mm. and the least joyful version of us. And I know for you and your journey, it took this like massive breaking point. And for me in my journey, it took. You know, moving to Denver and like my, I lost my cycle for six months, and I went to the doctor and same thing, had all these tests done, and they had a really honest conversation with me, and recommended I stop working out for three months to Mm. get everything back to normal. For me, that was my biggest nightmare. Why? Because that was like my medicine was working out, even though I had a healthier relationship with it. That's what I went to, and I had to find joy in walks in the sunshine and relationships with friends and finding myself in a new city, and I had to pull back from what I thought brought me joy. Um, Where do you think women start finding joy? Because most of us can't remember the last time that we had joy. It was like, we have to do this. We have to hit 10,000 steps. We have to get our workout in and everything feels so structured. Yes. And
1: stressful. And I love that question. And thank you for sharing that with me. I think, you know, I think this can be answered in a couple of different ways. And the reality is that you have to define what that means. And so oftentimes I ask clients that work with me to define, like you used this word before, like what does healthy actually mean to you? Right. What do you, what did it mean to you? And what do you want it to mean to you? Right. Um. So my, my, Practice name is happy, strong, healthy. So I typically ask clients to define all three of those words, right? Like what does happy mean to you? And if the answers to happy, strong, and healthy and joy, which would be another form of these words, um, if the answers are very much tied to a routine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the reality is is what happens when that root ru- what happens when COVID happens and that routine yeah. is just taken away from you, right? Like what happens when you go on vacation and that routine is not necessarily available to you? What happens when, you know, you're a mom and your kid stays home from work, from school. And all of a sudden, like your plan for self-care and everything that happened during the day is no longer happening. Like what happens then? And so if there is no flexibility in your answers and we're really tied to physical outcomes instead of feelings or behaviors or um, just like the emotions that are tied to each one of those words. And that's really where the work begins and the work that we can really do together starts. And I think that when it comes to fitness, one of the best things that you can do is really write down what are the things that you enjoy doing? Doing And so for me, I've recently, I shared this recently and like, I got a huge response from so many women in my messages being like, oh my God, like you just said everything that I'd never thought that like anybody else understood. And for me, when I really did this activity, like I really love Pilates. Like I think Pilates is a cool workout. It's stupid expensive in this area, but like
0: reformer Pilates insanity. They're like but $99 like, a session, new special. I'm like, That that's one reason
1: why I don't do it often. But like from the, the enjoyment factor, like I was in a class and I was like, really like feeling very connected to my body. I could feel muscles that I hadn't felt in like a very long time and like all the things. And I left and I was like, why if I like this so much, have I never really very heavy air quotes allowed myself to engage in it in the past. And the answer was because I was taught in diet culture that workouts didn't quote unquote count unless I needed to take a shower afterwards. Cause my hair was sopping wet and like connected to my body. Um, I was like crawling out of the room, exhausted, breathless, you know, all of the things burning like a ton of calories, burning ton- bowl everything. Like it didn't count unless it was like literally like an all out war inside the 55 minute class. And so to me, it was like, why would I waste my time doing that? Like I would just still have to go to a class afterwards. Right. But the reality is, is that what that 45 minute class for $45 did for me at the time was allowed me to take a break from the daily hustle of my life. It allowed me to connect to my body and feel my body move and feel the muscles contract and like doing things they had never done before. It was challenging. Um, and it was mentally exactly what I needed in that time. And the purpose of fitness is to move blood around our body, right? To oxygenate yeah. cells, to energize us, to release endorphins, to increase bone density and create lean muscle or muscle mass so that as we age and as we you know go through our life like we have more of that lean body mass to you know keep us safe in future and that workout was doing all of those things and bonus i didn't have to shower afterwards <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> cuz who has time for that sometimes <laughs> but you know when you start really start to think about it like i added that to my list and is it something that i do every day or even every week no but like when I catch myself, which I still do in that cycle of like, I have to work out today or like whatever, I go back to that definition of strength. And I go back to that definition of happy and healthy. And I'm like, wait a minute, a 30 minute walk with the stroller or the dog or both will also do the trick. And so understanding that nuance again, with that word, I think it's really important. And so for you listening, if you know, you want to start somewhere defining words that feel something to you. So you don't have to use happy, strong, and healthy. You can use joy, strength, and I don't confident. know what another word for healthy is, but confident is a good one too. Or you can use healthy because I think that's something that everybody listening is probably looking to improve, um, or health, you know, just using some of those words, define what they mean to you and also define, you know, food, Foods you enjoy is a good one, but specifically the movement that you enjoy doing. And if there's anything on that list that you haven't done in a while, or you feel like you shouldn't or can't do for whatever reason, just get curious as to why. Like you don't have to immediately just start like going to a dance class as your only form of fitness, but it could be something where it's like, hey, I'm having a bad day. I'm not feeling like myself, having a bad body image moment, whatever it is. You know, maybe finding a Zumba class would be something that. That would like pick me up and also move blood around my body, strengthen my bones, my lungs, my heart, all of those things. So it has a mental and physical health benefit to it.
0: I talk a lot in this podcast, how dancing was like one of the biggest healing things in this journey. I love me, watching That's you why dance. You, you always see me doing it on social media because it's so healing. Um, but side note, Pilates reformer will so humble you quicker than you've ever been humbled before. Like I thought I had a strong plank. I do not have a strong plank.
1: So they don't let me do mega former anymore while I'm pregnant, but I would
0: literally get into those classes in 10 seconds and be like violently shaking. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. It's actually so hard, but it's it's this concept in her head of, we're not burning the most amount of calories, but that's not the point. Mm -hmm. And as you were telling this story, it it took me back to, I was in a yoga class one time. And I remember I set my watch because why not It's yoga? Like, let's see how many calories I burn. And like 35 minutes into the class, I looked at my watch and I was feeling so good, right? She was doing all these hip openers, which is what I needed. And I had burned like 68 calories. And I remember being like genuinely so annoyed and pissed off that I couldn't even relax the rest of class because I was only focused. I was like, this was a waste of time. Mm,
1: That is such a good example because, and it's so relatable. Like I've had that exact same experience and I know everybody listening will have it as well. And you can apply it to the scale. So it's like you're feeling so good in your body, right? Like your energy is up. You're sleeping so much better. You know, you're having conversations with human beings and remembering them. That was a big one for me. Um, You're going out to eat and ordering what you want off the menu. Like you're feeling stronger. You hit your 10 push-ups or like whatever it is. And you have all of these positive emotions circling, circulating. And you're like, you know what? Let me just go check that scale and like see if it tells me all of the things that I'm feeling. And it won't, right? It might have gone up. It might have stayed the same. It might have gone down, but maybe it didn't go down to the extent that you were hoping that it would. And that immediately takes away all of those pod- positive benefits because we give it that power. My husband's, because I don't weigh myself anymore and I don't have that, you know, drama in my life. I, mine is with social media. It's like, I'll get one bad comment and I'll, it'll just like completely <laughs> ruin my life. And my husband's like, what about the hundreds
0: of nice comments? Yes. You got, I don't care about um, that. You get 80, you're amazing. You get one, like, <laughs> What you're stupid, what are you saying? You're like,
1: like, Oh my god, I should just shut down my page. Like, I'm I quit every day, I say that, and I think it's the same like negative feedback loop, right? Like, that's like the scientific term is it's this feedback loop that is rooted in negativity that only gets louder and it shuts down all the positive feedback that comes in. It almost like puts a force field around it and like pushes it away. So, I think. If you know those things and you know those triggers and you can really like to go back to I don't want to say intuitive eating if we can go back to like this weight neutral approach to health because that's really where I define myself it's like, why are we allowing. A number to take away the way that we feel. And so, if we can focus on the feelings and the outcomes there, you know, does that number really matter? And if a client comes to me and they're like, yes, it really matters to me still, okay, then we're going to do that together, right? If you're going to yeah. weigh yourself, I'm going to be on the phone. <laughs> And then we're going to talk about it (laughs) because, and obviously I can't like prevent them from doing that without me or force it, but hopefully give people the tools, um, to really understand and like process the emotions and really try to ask yourself, like there, it comes to a point in everybody's journey where it's like, is the action that I'm participating in helping me or hurting me? Mm -hmm. And I apply this to social media. I apply this to any type of activity out there and mental health in general, but is it helping me or is it hurting me? And if it's hurting me, why am I continuing to do it? And is it because I need more support? Is it because I need more education? Is it because I need somebody to tell me not to? Mm -hmm. Is is it because I secretly like (laughs) Um, getting roasted
0: on TikTok? Yeah. Like
1: I secretly (laughs) like the pain or like whatever it is. And like we should unpack that. Um, you know, a lot of those things, like there's, I learned recently from a conference that I was at that it was like, if something triggers you, like there's an unhealed wound underneath that. Um, and it's like, that totally makes sense. If your number on the scale that is going to trigger you, you know, hurts you, we haven't actually healed our relationship with body, self, food, whatever it is body image um to a
0: point where that's actually a safe thing for you yeah no that makes so much sense i i have one last question for you that i want and i, and I know i feel like i know what you're going to say but i'm just also curious like this is from me personally and also talking with clients is where you stand on like tracking, tracking your workouts, tracking your food, again, coming from most of the women in this community have been on diets their whole life and want to live a more intuitive life. And maybe they don't have the education that we have, or the support that we have in the, you know, community that we have, and they're just sort of diving into it and dipping their toes in it. For me, I know that part of my journey from going to diet culture to intuitive eating was actually learning and understanding where my body should be. And even though I tracked for way too long and was obnoxious, I also think I learned a lot in that phase. Um, So where do you land with that? And do you think it can ever be a positive thing or do you think it's something we should totally get rid of?
1: I think that everybody's different. And I think, listen, there's no shame in our journeys because they brought us here, right? Like I used to track every single thing as well. And like, was that health promoting for me? No. <laughs> um, But, you know, knowing that most of the clients that I work with as well, our team works with are coming from that diet culture mindset too. The reality is, is that I use something that we've called the five pillars of wellness as our quote unquote way to help clients track something every day because it makes them feel safe. And so as much as we as human beings are like, I hate rules. Like I'm a rule breaker. Like, like you're all lying. Like rules make humans feel safe. I love them. Right. People (laughs) love, people love rules because they make you feel safe. They make you feel like if I do X, Y, and Z and follow this rule, I will have X, Y, Z outcome or Z, Y, X outcome. And the truth of the matter is, is that that's not true because we can never, especially in health, guarantee an outcome. But at the same time, I understand wanting something because when you go hardcore into the intuitive eating space with like the 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 not real version of it, it's like okay, take all of your rules away. And people feel out of control and they feel crazy. And that actually prevents them from going into that space of like the weight neutral space to make that change. So to bridge that gap, we have our clients track a couple different things. Like, we'll have you track your water intake. We'll have you track something like your digestion. We'll have you track, are you eating enough food? Like, are you actually eating three meals and however many snacks, you know, we've deemed is appropriate for you or making you feel good together? We'll have you track your sleep. We'll have you track, you know, what are you doing every day for stress management, right? We'll have you track the movement that you're doing and the why behind it, the intention behind it. Because the truth is, it's like, there are huge benefits to exercise. And as long as it's safe for someone, Mm -hmm. they should be engaging in it. But we have to figure out how much and what is the most appropriate thing for that client. So I guess the answer is, it's like, that is how we have clients track things. And I think the answer to the real question is, can it ever be helpful? And the truth is, it depends on the person. Because there are a lot of really brilliant dietitians and health professionals and nutrition professionals out there that have their clients track things like macros, and they use it as data to see, you know, how they're feeling. And maybe their intention behind it is to help a client learn because their brain is very mathematical. And if, they learn X, Y, and Z and how much protein is in blah, 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 you know, they'll be able to do it for life. That's not my approach, but that could work for some people, right? So I will never say like, there is no place for it. What I would say is what you can ask yourself before deciding on what type of care you want to receive is what is the intention behind my choice? And Is this something I see myself being able to do forever? And if I don't see that as like a probable outcome, you know, how will I feel mentally, physically, all of the things when I stop doing that thing? Like, will I actually be able to? Um, So it's a lot to think about, (laughs) but I
0: think
1: the reality is, it's like with health, if anyone says do this, not that, like run away from them. (laughs)
0: yes right if there's extremes either way it's probably not for you
1: yeah Yeah. because there's no crystal ball with health and there is no right and wrong it's what is best for the individual and you can't possibly know that from a TikTok video or an Instagram post, like, and if following somebody else's advice strictly from what they post online or what they eat in a day, doesn't give you those same outcomes, like that's the proof that you need.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's also right? understanding that so much of what's out there is just opinion. Correct.
1: <laughs> Oh, Jenna Rose, multiple of them in,
0: in, in a nice way, but you have a really good way of explaining it when people are doing the more extreme videos to saying like, Hey, this is why this is probably not going to be a great thing for you. But, but what's cool about that is it starts to help people understand what they're consuming every single day and sort of how to break the pattern of that.
1: Before you let me leave, I literally just posted, I don't know how it's doing on the platforms, but I posted earlier this morning, one of the trends that I've seen recently is people putting the word ozempic in front of like a recipe. So it's like ozempic cookie dough, ozempic tea, ozempic cookies, and that was all over my For You page the other day. And it just like got me thinking, and I'm like, first of all, these creators are incredibly smart because they are getting people's attention, right? By using this buzzword. But the reality That's is like- when you're trending for weight loss. Right? So when you get to like the lower, like when you actually watch the video, which I did, like you do realize, the harm is they're not talking about their your health. They're talking about simply your weight at any cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to sell you something. So I just did a, like a little explanation video about what it actually, the intention behind it is. So like they're trying to mimic the response inside your body by eating specific foods um, of what this medication will do. And like the old less healed version of me um, from like a nutrition perspective would have like gone in and like ripped these creators apart. Um, But like the taking a step back from it, like I think the reality and like what people really need to know and hear is like, if you want to take this medication, you need to talk to your care team and not watch videos on social media. Right. Like that's number one. And number two is if the only reason you are trying a recipe or eating a food or following a plan is solely for a physical change outcome, the results that you get will never last your lifetime. So like asking yourself, like, is this sustainable for me? Is it going to be enjoyable for me? Is this something that I can see myself doing for the long haul? Mm. If that answer is no, I think you have to take a step back and figure out how, because you can have both to figure out how you can achieve what you're looking for in that feeling. Like we talked about before for life. Um, And I think that that's just like, what is being missed with viral videos on social media? (laughs)
0: 100%. I I think you nailed it. So What I want is people to find you and connect with you on social media because your platforms are amazing. So what are your main platforms? Where can they find you and just hear more of you? So I am on Instagram and TikTok at
1: happystronghealthy.rd. Um, I'm really good at email. My email is Jenna at happy healthy, rd.com. Um, and my website is happystronghealthyrd.com. And I you can send in like a contact form there, a DM, a message, wherever. Um, but I would say that I'm the most responsive on email, which I know a lot of people don't necessarily use anymore. I just don't like to miss anything. Um and sometimes dms can get missed but i so appreciate this conversation i've had so much fun reconnecting with you i know i hope everybody takes away that your health is individualized and your goals matter but let's make sure that they're rooted in sustainability and health oh jenna
0: thank you so much for coming on
1: thank you for having me
0: if you vibe with this episode i would love to hear from you you know at crying burns calories we are all about community and connection and just changing the conversation about life for women. So if this episode was helpful for you, I would love if you could tag me, share it on your Instagram stories so I can thank you and also so we can just continue to get the message out and growing this amazing community.